welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made. My name is Len, aka the Bat Triple. And as always, I am joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing down that track of the month of May, where we ask the eternal question, Mother, may I have another bad black movie? Oh boy. And mom and her eternal wisdom has given us a doozy tonight. Oh boy. As Vincent has selected for our reviewing pleasure, Whoopi Goldberg. Yes. In the movie that made her wretch. It is Theodore Rex. Theodore Rex. From 1995. Yeah. You notice we've stayed in the 90s. Uh, yeah, well, I we have stayed in the 90s. Yes, yes. I When you chose two movies for 95, I said, well, I'm going to do one better and go to 1996. Yeah. So we are We're, right in the pocket. Yeah. Right in the pocket. That yeah. was some bad stuff. Hey, gentlemen. Whose boy is right. Um, but we are we're here and we're gonna bring it to you tonight straight from the video content factory here in Maniunk PA, Philadelphia's premier video podcast plaza. And shout out to everyone out there who are watching us as we stream live to YouTube and everyone out there in the chat. I see each and every one of you. What up, missionaries? Good evening, one and all. Vincent, how you doing, my friend? I'm fine. I am fine. That's cool. Doing well. Doing well. Um, the, you started the before the cameras turned on. You were telling me about you had just started Yellow Jackets. Yes. Yes. You've been roped in. Well, I, I didn't say that. No, you did not. I did that. not say that. To be fair, in fact, not. I didn't say I was ready to talk about. No, it. you didn't. I've not watched enough of it. You've only watched two episodes to speak publicly about it. However, but I have started. You started it, but and while you weren't ready to talk about it, and you he'll give us more next week, ladies and gentlemen, or, or not, or not, <laughs> because you did at least like enough of it to say, "I'm pretty confident when we leave here, I'm going to go home and watch some more episode." Right. So it means that right. it's, it's 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 getting maybe, but but it could be a, a situation like Robert De Niro in in Goodfellas when he told Henry, "Remember that thing." Remember that thing? Never mind. Never mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember they were going to murder on the Yeah, yeah. Never, never mind. Never, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, never mind. Of course, that was a fake out, though. Well, that was a fake it out. wasn't a fake out because in that moment, he was telling the truth. It's just that after the robbery, he killed everybody. <laughs> no. Spoiler. <laughs> no, this happened actually. See, now you got me there. Goodfellas. He says that that was after the robbery because it was the guy who it was the clothier guy. No, no, no. Right, right. He wanted his cut. He wanted and that was but he wanted off. his cut from the robbery. Then, right, but he wanted it right then. Right, right. He, and then when De Niro gave out the cuts, remember when everybody was walling out. Remember, my man bought his girl. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Man, That's when De Niro killed everybody. No, right. so then he got caught up. And that killing, like he was going to get killed before because he was getting on his nerves. Yes. But, but then he swore that that was after the robbery. No, no, no. It was all after the robbery. So, okay, yeah. so my man said, no, my man set it up. Yeah. Okay. De, Niro, De Niro's character said, I'm going to hold on to the Welcome money. to the Goodfellas podcast. Right. Go ahead. Said, I'm going to hold on to the money. Right. 
dude was being such an ass about it. Right. All of us asked because he wanted his money. Because he wanted money. Wanted money. And then that's what De Niro said, okay, we're going, we're going to clip, we're going to kill, I'm going to kill this dude. Told Henry, you know, get the lime, whatever, whatever. Right. Then they had the good night. Yes. And he said, never and mind. he said, never mind, never mind, never mind. So Tom asked, he gave everybody or, or, or something happened. I don't know if people got a little bit of money or a little bit of whatever, but then that's when everyone started wilding out and De Niro said, be cool. And dude bought a Cadillac, and then the other dude with the fantastic hair yeah. bought his wife the, the fur coat. Right. And then that's when De Niro started walling out. Right. And killed everybody. Right. But the clothier guy, if I remember the chronology correctly, and I and I, I could be wrong. Yes. He was getting on, on his nerves. Yes. They're at the card game. Yes. And it, it, where he basically has already said... That he's right, right. They've all right, right. Then just we and, do this, and then he gives he gives Henry the word like, yeah, never mind, never mind. because they're having a good night. They're having a good night, but then they leave the card game that night and get in the car, and he's still going on about stuff. No, and that's when no, dude, I no, that's when dude, no, 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 no. That's later. He that's gets later. He gets caught in the, in all of the killings. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're probably right. You get so. I mean, the only way you can nice. actually figure it out. Now we got to go watch Goodfellas. We have to. Right. And we'll have to answer this next. Right. 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 But anyway, go ahead. We move on. Cause I'm not ready. To, You're not ready to talk. Not about ready. To hear. Well, I'll tell you what I'm ready to. Talk what are you ready? To and talk I about? and I I can't remember whether I talked about it here or on the another podcast. Oh, dude. I'll let you know because this is my only one. So <laughs> I'll, I know for a fact. Um. Are you watching Silo on Apple TV? Oh my God. Lynn? Yes. I hadn't said anything to you about it. Silo is actually my favorite science fiction book of the past literally 15 years. See, I haven't. I know that's no. I was know it's a book. so excited. Like, I'm so excited about it mm -hmm. because I love the book so much. Okay. That I haven't said anything about the show because I don't know if the show is as good as I think it is because I know what's going on from the book. Oh, so, so you are watching it. Oh, 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 I'm all over Silo. Silo is good, man. Silo. You like it? I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Oh, you ain't seen nothing. I love it. You ain't seen, you're, <laughs> okay, okay. You've seen nothing. <laughs> well, I'm, I've been, you've seen nothing. Then I, then that's great. Cause I am loving it after three episodes. Silo's a show on Apple TV, ladies and gentlemen, uh, stars Rebecca Ferguson and, uh, David O. Yellowo. Uh, and it, it, it's a post-apocalyptic Rashida Jones, Rashida Jones, Carmen, Okay, yeah, comments. Um, what's my man's name? Ooh, Tim Robbins. Oh, how do you forget Tim Robbins? You know why? Because he, because like, there's only three episodes so far, um, and he's like barely in it, which, which you know is just like you know just, just waiting for him to get his moment. But it's a show that deals. With you know they didn't hire Tim Robbins, right? Just, just be, just walk around and talk shit, right? So wait a minute. It's so it's a show, ladies and gentlemen. It's a, a post post apocalyptic, maybe, perhaps, right? <laughs> See, you didn't. You don't need to tell them that, um, because you're saying things that you are inferring 
They haven't said it in the show, though. Well, they've kind of said it. All they've said in the show, there are 10,000 people in this shot silo, this underground silo. Underground silo. That goes down 144 floors. Right. No one knows who built the silo. No one knows how they got there. But they've been there. But they've been there for at least, I think they said, Maybe 150 years. I thought like 140, 150 That they years. know of. Because right. there was some type of event 150 years ago. Right. Where the the, the records were lost. Mm-hmm. So, but they assume that there was some time before then. Right. Of course. Even though it is seemingly illegal to talk. It is illegal to talk about talk anybody about from before. Or even have right. any relic. Right. Of that time. Of that time. And and the and the biggest the, the biggest punishment you can get is to go cleaning. They call it going to clean because the silo, while it is underground, has a, a camera that is facing the outside world, which is radioactive and poisonous. Right. And but as time goes on, because of the atmosphere, the lens gets dirty. Right. So that their, their form of execution is you are going, you have to go clean. You're right. They call it going to clean because people go outside in their outfits. Yeah, because they get like, you know, they're right. But some, but the atmosphere is so bad that it breaks down the outfit and people die. But before they die, usually what happens is that they clean the lens of the camera mm-hmm. so that people can see. Right. And one of the biggest crimes that you can commit is to actually is to say, ask to go outside. Right. I want to go outside. Right. Because they because by rule they can will not deny you. Right. You, you second you say it. Right. Exactly. Out you go. Exactly. Because they don't want that train of thought even infecting right the life right. in, in the silo. And I will say this: what I said to my friend who I sort of gingerly suggested this to you and he is not a science fiction person per se mm-hmm. but he's like my john lacar political thriller okay you know kind of cold war thriller guy and what i told him is that if they follow the book which they are following it seems like it is more of a political thriller set in a scientific context. Well, you can like, get that idea yeah. because the whole mystery of the judicial that they talk about, which which is only a, again in three episodes, really been alluded okay. to, seen in yeah, it, right. You know the dudes in the black work for judicial, including Comet, right. Which I have to say, this is the most I've liked Comet. Well, this is the best use of Comet so far, so he, far, because he ain't done nothing. Well, he, I, I thought except that was, eat a I, strawberry. I thought that was a good scene with him and his son. Okay, yeah, yeah I but, thought that was. But a he's good like, scene. I mean, he's acted enough that he can should be able to pull that off, and he pulls it off. I mean, yes, I'm not calling nobody out, but his people been acting for thirty years. That remember that? that, that yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So, but no, I am enjoying Silo. I'm oh, agreeing here. And and I will say it it is the world building is all it is impeccable. It really is thoughtful about if human beings had lived underground for a hundred and fifty years, so three or four generations, what would our culture look like? Mm. 
and and it's just very it was just very thoughtful and and you know it's it's like it's it's like two or it's like wool is the first book then it's like dust then there are some other bits it's like at least four books but I'm 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 really I'm really excited about Silo and I'm glad you're excited and and I'm so happy I found a Silo friend. So <laughs> Yes, you have a friend in the Silo. I have a friend in the Silo. And you know, it's Apple. So so like whether yeah, we're talking so like whether we're talking about this or Hello Tomorrow or Severance or Foundation, like Apple is just throwing money. Mm-hmm. And these set designers, yeah, and these customers, yeah, like it's just beautiful to look at. And you just named four shows that the money is on this on the screen, but they're completely different completely in look, different in show. Feel. And as a science fiction fan, and you know, we're going to look talk about a shitty science fiction film tonight. Mm. It is so refreshing to see this type of budget. Mm-hmm. On a project like this, yeah, yeah. So, that's pretty. Good. Did you real quick? Did you stick with Hello Tomorrow? I, I am. I'm. I'm burning it off. Okay, just and finishing it. I really like. I'm 100 watching Hello Tomorrow because of the retrofuturism. Right. Right. Like I'm 100 bored by it. I'd like, you know, I like a lot of the actors, but none of their performances are really doing anything for me. Yeah. But the costumes and the design. Absolutely, blow. like there's something every episode that blows me away. Gotcha, guy from a design sense. So, let us get down to it. Let's get into the show, ladies and gentlemen. Right, and it is time for missives from the missionaries. So, what else is going on, Lynn? We have emails. Vincent. Ooh, missives from the missionaries. Misses. I'm not sure why my picture is on there. Because, like, am I the mailman? <laughs> because every time we do, right, it's time misses from the missionaries. Please, it's not my segment. Well, it kind of is because of what happened. They don't write both of us. They write both of us, but I read the email for Chris, and then you answer right, them. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, <laughs> so there you go. All right. Charles <laughs> Simmons says, "That's not weird at all. I think it was weird. I just don't want y'all to think like I was saying. Oh yeah, and I put my face on it. That'll make, that'll sell it to the people. It does sell it. Go ahead. It's your voice on there. Just go ahead. It is your voice. It could have been a picture of you reading it. Well, no, but it's but it's your voice saying misses from the mission. Yes. All right. Go ahead. We, What's going on? You've branded it. Yes. This okay. is her brand. All right. This is your segment. Yes." Let's do Vincent's segment, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Matter of fact, Dylan, bring that music back. Oh, my God. Bring the music back. Can you just read the letter Continue. so we can get the three on the Rex. Missives from the missionaries. So what else is going on, Lynn? We have emails, Vincent. Ooh, missives from the missionaries. This is from the missionaries, ladies and gentlemen. We heard from Ellis Heron. Hey, what's up, Ellis? 
who said, prepare to go solo. <laughs> hey, fellas, I just listened to your review of Solo. Even though I never saw the movie, I remember the marketing for it clear as day. Mm -hmm. The TV commercial marketed Solo like it was following in the footsteps of the 96 blockbusters The Rock, Twister, and Independence Day by saying, this summer, you've been rocked, twisted, and alienated. Now, prepare to go solo. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was just as bad as you can imagine. So needless to say, it didn't motivate me to go see the movie. I will say that your review was spot on with the comparing with comparing Solo to a mix of the Terminator and Rambo. But one other character comes to mind. Wolverine. Mm. Wolverine started off as a weapon who was intended to get his memory wiped as depicted in another bad movie, X-Men Origins, colon, Wolverine. Another funny parallel is that Hugh Jackman played well in ensemble movies, too. The difference is his character was the most interesting part of those movies, as opposed to when Mario Van Peoples is on screen. Very true. Ooh. Lastly, in regards to your discussion on the Expendables series, I agree Expendables 2 was the best one. However, Wesley Snipes and Antonio Banderas were only in Expendables 3, but Jean-Claude Van Damme was in Expendables 2. And even though Snipes and Banderas were only in the worst of the three, I can see why you thought they had a good time in the movie because they were easily the highlights. That's all from your boy, Ellis Heron from Fort Worth. P.S. I'm looking forward to your eventual May review of my guilty pleasure, Chill Factor. Mm. <laughs> well, not this May, but it is on the list. Oh, it is on the list. Yeah, it is on the list. Thank you, Ellis. Thank you, Ellis. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. I like the comparison to Wolverine, except that Wolverine at least was a good character as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, yeah. like, and 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 you know, when Wolverine debuted, he wasn't really a knockoff. No, of everything. Like again, everything about Solo just feels really kind of slapped together from other things yeah just a hodgepodge yeah. of trying to find things mm -hmm. um we also heard from sean simmons hey what's up sean i asked a question out on social media ladies and gentlemen for what bad black movie is perfect for the cookout okay we heard from a number of people but sean simmons wrote us okay and he suggested fat beach which was very close to being chosen for um, a, uh, a May review for us. You could do a whole month on bad black movies starring Brian Hooks. <laughs> that is very true, actually. That is very true. What's not ridiculously funny about this movie. It also co-stars our favorite smoking crack student from Lean On Me, Jermaine Hopkins. <laughs> Shout out to the class of 1989. A cameo of Coolio. Spring break at the beach. It's just a dumb and bad yet fun movie. I've never seen it. I've never seen it as well. I've definitely seen it more than once. And most times it was with friends. I suggest a two movie episode dedicated to Brian Hook's Fat Beach and Three Strikes. Another 
You know what, Sean? We actually tried to do three strikes. And, yeah, and it, it, it wasn't streaming. Yeah, we couldn't find it. And it, it wasn't, wasn't even on like um, YouTube. Right. And the thing about three strikes that was interesting was I think that is DJ Pooh's follow up mm-hmm. to Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where I believe he follow. wrote three strikes. Yeah. I kind of remember that as well. Yeah. Um, our man, Mo Poplar. What's up, Mo? That ashy feet. He suggested two movies for the cookout. Okay. All about the Benjamins. All about the Benjamins. We star fun movie. That's, that's cute. Mike Hep- Mike Epson Ice Cube. Their post um Friday. Next Friday film. And another cube movie. Okay. Anaconda. They got snakes out there that beat. Thank you. Very much. Woo! Yes. <laughs> Yes, I've been waiting for years okay. for the opportunity to do my Ice Cube and Anaconda imitation. Jesus. They got snakes out there that big. <laughs> and scene. You see both of them at the cookout. Oh, Anaconda. Anaconda is kind of fantastic. It is, it is a stupid, silly, dumbass movie but it's just there's no way jennifer lopez or ice cube still talk about anaconda oh i bet they do all right maybe they do because because it is a movie that's become like a cult it is it is it is they are still getting good residual checks apparently there are snakes out there that big yes yes big enough to wrap around john voight (laughs) oh i forgot God, Jonathan Boyd is in Anaconda. Dude, I don't know what accent is oh, it. Oh, man. They're doing some kind of accent. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually never saw all about the Benjamins, so I can't speak to that. It's, it's you know, um, it's, it's fun. Okay. Chris, uh, Chris Morales suggested hey, Chris, a movie actually called the cookout that stars Danny Glover, Jennifer Lewis, and Queen Latifah. I actually remember that. It's not bad. I don't remember that movie. It's fun. I don't know if I want to be at a cookout and watch a movie about cooking. You never want to be at a cookout. I don't want their food to be better, food. better than my food. Well, you know, it's the gauntlet throw is thrown down. Then what? You got to make sure that your food looks better. Okay, but you always don't have it. Yeah, but it's movie food, so that food always looks always looks better. You know, man, like because their cookout, like it looked like, like it's basically like it's like the world's best baked beans. Right, right. It's a bucket of corn. S- slow down. I don't know if the budget is that big for the cookout. Yeah, <laughs> they just got one. The director exactly. Like this is not the spread in Daughters of the Dust, which. <laughs> Literally, I dream about sometimes the spread and those. The, yeah, remember, remember they had the the Connor. It was almost a, 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 a it was like Creole and mm. and and yeah, I remember. Yeah, oh my. See, I don't dream about that. I dream, I I dream about soul food. The spread yeah. and soul food. But the dream of spread and the soul food just makes me snippy. I know. It's just yeah. Oh my god, it looks yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, I just remember Julie Dash shot him, and you could hear the clinking of the forks. Mm. And the food, and, and I just remember how bright the shrimp is, and oh my goodness, I can't hear like clinking on on furniture, like 
silverware or dishes anymore. And I think it get out. Looking like I'm sinking. So no, no. So you've just spoiled it for. I it. just spoiled. I will never watch Door to Dust again. I mean, it's not a spoon in a cup. I mean, yeah, but it's the same. you said it's it, it, Also, it's not a white woman doing it. So fair enough. All right, all right. All right. you may have saved it. All right, you may have saved it for a rewatch. All right. Um, what black movie would you suggest for for the cookout, Vincent? You know me. I'm definitely going old school. What? Definitely Uptown Saturday Night. I was about to say Uptown you Saturday Night. Always going Uptown Saturday Night. I knew it. I knew it would be Uptown Saturday Night. Um, Sharon Eldridge referenced um, John Voight's oh, yeah. uh, accent in Anaconda. She said his accent is is a hate crime. Yeah, yeah it was tough. It was tough. I actually, you, you know, I, I have to check. I guess I can't do anything. That's got to be a bad black move. Right, right, right. I guess I can't do either of the Rudy Ray Moore Dolomite films. They're just too, <laughs> like, this is too crudely done. Right? They're <laughs> and, you know, I don't know. How about you? Um, I was thinking about that. And I was going to say, um, what's... What's Martin Lawrence's Fat Mama movie? Oh, Big Mama's House. Big Mama's House. Oh, Lord. I, like, but people do seem to enjoy it, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think enough people would consider that a bad black right, movie. Right, right. So, but that's the first one that came to also, my mind. A lot of people are watching. That could be. I can get devil eggs. So, you're looking for a distraction. I am. Well, then you will be a race because I eat. Right. Right. Oh, it was like, like we put on Big Mama's house and somebody put on uh, the waffle. <laughs> and then I'll make my way to the that, that, That's all you need. That's the movie people, right. the dance right. people, right. straight right. beeline right. to the devil right. day. Right. And I feel like if you wobble while watching Big Mama's house, you'll make Mary J. Blige appear. Like, I think you, like, I think that is such a black thing like there's so much blackness in one space as that's happening you summon mary j blodge and maze featuring frankie beverly <laughs> and that's just how they would appear like maze would appear and it'll go da, 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 and then frankie beverly would appear in like that white that white linen outfit and, and the white my cap right my cap and then mary j and then mary j yeah so there you go all right. All right. It is now time. All right. Moving right along for the top five. Top five. Top five. Who's your top five? My top five is. My top five is. Top five, top ladies five and gentlemen, where I come up with a list and I give it to Vincent to have his commentary on. It's another segment for you, Vincent. You know what? You've got two segments. You know what? You are the dude. Just do you. The, just the do. Darf Michelle. Just do the top. I'm just here for your bidding. You know what? I'm just here to set you up. Can we just do the top five? <laughs> okay. What is number five? Do you not want to hear what the I'm topic sorry. is? I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead. This, I'm very excited about Theodore Rex, I guess. Speaking of Theodore Rex. <laughs> A movie which I alluded to at the top of the show that Whoopi Goldberg 
did not want to do. No, she did not. And we will talk about that in, during our review. Yeah. And it is a film, one of the films I think she's openly said is the only film that she really regrets yes. doing. Yes. Even though I, I, I would caution that there's probably a bit of a caveat to that, but we'll talk about that. Sure, sure. But thinking about that, mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about other mm-hmm. bad black career moves. Okay. And this is celebrity edition. Right, right. So right. in our opinion, or these objectively bad moves that people made that like they would agree with. Well, these are my opinion. Okay. But I think objectively these are considered. We all right. Well, let's all right, here we go. All right, well, let's see. Well, number five, and this is one that is definitely considered a bad uh okay. bad career move. And this actor has said so themselves. Mm-hmm. Number five is Halle Berry mm-hmm. doing Catwoman yeah. in 2004. Yeah. Now, for those who don't, don't know, Halle Berry remains one of the few actors who actually accepted her Razzie Award. That's right. For best, for, for, for worst actor in a movie um, in person. She went to the Razzie Awards. She did. And she said, thank you so much. I never in my life thought that I would be up here, she told the audience, before spoofing her own Oscar acceptance speech and thanking her manager by saying that her manager loves her so much that he convinced me to do projects even when he knows that it is shit. Yeah. Uh, She has recently said that she has been carrying the weight of the failure of Catwoman, um, telling Jimmy Kimmel on a show, whatever success it had or didn't have somehow seemed like it was all my fault, but it really wasn't my fault. And when you think about it, it actually, to a degree, wasn't. But this shows you how good a sport that uh, Halle Berry yeah. is. Catwoman was a project that was originally developed with Michelle Pfeiffer in mind mm-hmm. to be a sequel to her role of Catwoman from 1990s uh, or 91 mm-hmm. um, Batman Returns. Yeah, yeah. But for whatever reason, Michelle Pfeiffer didn't do it. They went to a couple of other people. Mm-hmm. They said no. It languished in turnaround for years and years and years. And it finally fell on Halle Berry's lap and Halle Berry was like, okay, I'll do it. But, but by that point, because it was not going to be Michelle Pfeiffer, they had kind of like rewritten it to be like a Catwoman in name only. Sure. And the character is actually totally different from the character from the, from the Batman Returns. But Halle Berry signed on, did the film. Mm-hmm. To be fair, ladies and gentlemen, so did Sharon Stone. Mm-hmm. She is also in this movie. Yeah, oh yeah. But does not carry the weight of this film that is a bad film. It's a bad film. It's a bad but, No. But it is there are films that are worse than well, that one. We've proven that. Yeah. A, as we've just said, it's not as bad as people say it is. Like I think people I think it turned into like this punchline to the point where people talk about it. But they didn't actually watch it. I was about to say, is this another Malcolm X? <laughs> sort of. Sort of. <laughs> sort of in the same vein. Like, right. I talk about it, but they didn't actually watch it. B, Halle Berry was, has been such a good sport about it mm-hmm. that I think retroactively, people have a little bit of affection for it. I know. Yeah. And I've heard her say that part of the reason that she took it was because Eartha Kitt played right. Catwoman in the third season, 
the third, the third and oh, final oh, season. Batman sixty six. Right. So you know she's trying to you know continue on that legacy. Yeah. And God bless her. So yeah, it is a solid five. This is a very good humored, good natured solid five. If Catwoman was screening mm-hmm. at a local wine establishment, would you go? Yeah, I think so. I think I would. Hmm. Yeah, I think I would. I think you could. I think you could package Catwoman. Or I th- I think there would have to be some commentary from, with like some, like one of her participants or something. Right, got you. I bet I think you could package Catwoman with people in your phone book, not in my phone book, but on your phone. Okay, you have direct. Yeah, I think you could package Catwoman. Oh. But go ahead. All right, we'll table that. All right, uh, number four. Number four. Again, following in bad black career moves. Okay. Or some might say bad post-Oscar moves. Mm Mm-hmm. From 2002. 2002. Cuba Gooding Jr. (laughs) in Boat Trip. Boat Trip. Now. Oh, you zigged and I thought you were going to zag. I know where you thought I was going to go. Cuba Gooding Jr. rose to fame in 1991, as everybody knows, as the lead in Boys Boys in the Hood. Right, right, right. Trey. Uh, he went on to win an Oscar for his work in Jerry Maguire. Very, very good. And there was considered on a roll yeah. for um, for appearing in As Good As It Gets, mm-hmm. What Dreams May Come. Mm-hmm. Good in both of those. And Men of Honor. Which well, they were, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in 2002, he unleashed his first two starring vehicles since Boys in the Hood. Mm-hmm. And even Boys in the Hood was more of an ensemble. Sure. The family comedy Snow Dogs. Yeah. Which is where I thought you probably thought I was. No, it's not where I thought you were. Oh, okay. And the horrifically misguided Boat Trip. Boat Trip, which is terrible. It's terrible. It is both. They, they're both. It, boat Trip is horrible. Both of these movies were critical disasters, but the argument could be made that Snow Dogs made money because it was seen, seen as a family film. It's, it's, it's harmless. It's a family movie. Right. There's some, there's some four kids to go, go sit. Snow Dogs. Right? Yeah. But Bull Trip, where he is like. First of all, isn't Horatio Sands in that? And Horatio Sands? He, like, that should have been a deal breaker for Like, well, I'm an Oscar. Well, yeah, you're right. Not being in a movie with Horatio Sands. Well, th- talk to him. Hey, talk to Cuban Gooding Jr. I thought you were going to say radio, though. See, but there are people that like radio. There is no one that likes radio. Okay, maybe you are actually wrong. I don't like radio. No, no, no. No one likes radio. I there were people no, like no radio. one likes radio. I thought there were people. There's all. Bit in Tropic Thunder about radio, about how bad radio is. Uh, really? Have you never seen Tropic Thunder? Oh, I love Tropic Thunder. No, I know there's a bit in it. Yes, but that is a direct reference to radio. No, yes, but to criticism, there's definitely there's criticism about radio, and I know that there's a there is a a segment of society that doesn't like radio. Yes, that segment but is radio, humanity. But radio was a was it was profitable. It wasn't a flop, was it? I don't think it was. A, I've never. You are telling I'm me something. It up. Right now, I'm looking it up. I right. don't believe. I believe radio was a, a relative hit. I don't think it was like a great. I hit don't think radio was a hit at all. I I, I think it was, you are about to teach me something right now. If radio, radio, 2003. Yes, radio from 2003. I'm going. I'm going to radio right now. Uh huh. Budget of. I'm. I think, give me time. Give me a second. Oh, the thing defending radio. 
Like, you love radio so much. You and radio budget, should go on a date together. Budget. Y'all should get married and have kids. Budget. Uh-huh. $30 million. Okay. Box office. Uh-huh. $52.6 million. It made money. I'm not like I said. I'm not saying that it was a world class hit. Yeah, I don't. But know it made back his money. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. If it made back it. his money. I don't think we call that a hit. That sounds like Hollywood accounting. Well, yeah, nobody likes radio. Look, it made its money, and yes, he did earn a. He was he was uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. was nominated for a Raspberry for his performance, but he was he also you say that. But he's also nominated for an Image Award for Best Actor. Oh my. So I told you, there was a segment of the population that did... Honestly, he's telling me the NAACP did not nominate him for an yes, Image Award. Yes, he was nominated. Not only that, not only that... Vincent, Vincent, he was nominated for Best Actor for Radio by the NAACP... Image awards. Black people make me Black tired. Black real awards. Black people make me tired sometimes. They really <laughs> I love us so much, but, but sometimes. It was nominated for Best Sports Movie by the ESPYs. I told you there was a segment of society that did enjoy that movie. I don't, but I'm telling you there was a segment. Movie, was, that, was that number three? That was number four. All right, let's just keep going. Let me dead hurt. Well, the bad thing is I have Robert Downey Jr.'s quote from Tropic Thunder running in my head that I don't think you should actually say it out loud. No. <laughs> but no. that's all I keep hearing in my head. No, you shouldn't. We don't, we don't want to say that. <laughs> but you never go full. No. Okay. And he went full. Yeah, he did. <laughs> well, so did Robert Downey Jr. Well, <laughs> I love Tropic Thunder. Oh, I love Tropic it, Thunder. It is, you know, you get arguments in there than on that movie too. Yeah, but that's people like like the point goes right over their head. Like that's I hear, I see. Like Tropic Thunder is actually a movie about that. I know. Go ahead. I know. Who's next? I know. I know. All right, number three. Number three. Bad black career move. Okay, what we got? Decidedly a bad black career move. Mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. And taxes. No. <laughs> now, in case you don't know this story, ladies and gentlemen, because it's actually got some age on it already. Wesley Snipes, of course, huge star. White men can't jump. Blade. Um, to Wong Fu. Thanks. Uh, thanks for everything, Julian Umar, which is a very slept-on movie. It is. It's very good. Uh, he was doing great things in the action space, the drama space. Mm-hmm. Legitimate look, growing superstar. Probably the only one who was who was giving Denzel a run for his money. Yeah, oh yeah, in that time of year. However, uh, you have to pay your taxes. <laughs> you have to pay your taxes. Uh, Wesley Snipes was found guilty of willfully not filing taxes for three years. Yeah. And got a year in jail for each year he failed to make a trip to H and R Block. Yeah. Um, also, he had to pay back seventeen million dollars. Yeah. In taxes and penalties. Um, it, it since he it is pretty hard to make a Blade sequel from jail. His tax evasion pretty much put a complete stop to his career, and he has really been in rebuild mode. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he has. It's, 
And now to the degree, he's rebuilt his career to the point where he, when he shows up, you're happy, you're happy to see him. Happy to see him. Like he's the one of the best thing in a, in a couple of things. A couple of Eddie Murphy movies. Oh, he's he's oh, he's one of the he's he's one of the best things in Dolomite is my name. He is the best the thing. The absolute best thing to America. Yes, he is. Um, I did not finish it, and that was really more a matter of time than than anything else, but I enjoyed him in that Kevin Hart show i enjoyed him i was yeah the the, the show itself didn't yeah do anything but um, i enjoyed him. but yeah i'm i'm yeah you 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 know we're we're both huge wesley snipes mm-hmm. fans yeah and it would take something i will say this wesley snipes is such a talent that it would take something like taxes to throw him in the skids like it did yeah because you, you know everything he's in he elevates so yeah he just doesn't pay any tax. Gotta pay his taxes. So. All right. Who we got? Number two. Number two. This is stepping a little bit from the the world of movies. Okay. However, this is definitely a celebrity. Okay. A celebrity um in the sports field. Okay. They're trying to make it in the entertainment game. Okay. And this one's got a little bit of age on it. Okay. And this would be Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson. And the Magic Hour. The Magic Hour. Do you remember the Magic Hour? Yeah, that was his uh, television. That was very short. Late night, late night television show. show. Yeah. People thought that Magic Johnson could make it as a the as a late night host, late night uh, TV mm-hmm. host. So they created the Magic Hour, mm-hmm. which was basically a cook, cook, cookie cutter late night talk show. Mm-hmm. Um, in the wake of Arsenio, in the, right following Arsenio, and then and yep, and yeah, and it only lasted three months. Yes. Magic Johnson proved to be very ill-fitted. Well, he wore the he was stiff for the role uh, of of interviewing people, being glib. Don't get me wrong, Magic Johnson a magnif a magnet of a personality as far as his smile and his effervescence, but he couldn't get over a joke. I think he got. I think he quit too quick. I think. I think there's a parallel universe. Where if he stuck with it for a year, a week into his second year, he would have found his groove. Yeah, but you're that's that's giving the benefit of the doubt that the network would have stuck with him. Oh yeah, absolutely. And but, I don't think the know, Yeah, they know, right, right. But and 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 basically, he. I mean, he was already like he was. It was it was failing, but he signed his death warrant mm-hmm. when he had Howard Stern come on to the show mm-hmm. um, and basically run the show and then had Howard Stern and his own band perform Wipeout while people farted during the chorus. Right. Well, that's right. That was that was a bad decision, but that's not. It was funny as hell if you were a Howard Stern fan because I enjoyed but, that. Right, but you know, for the rest of us, it was not. Yeah. It was. You know who I find myself watching more than not, like like you know on social media when things pop up, recommendations for you to watch. I don't know what it's on, if it's a clip from a television show or if he's doing it just for Facebook. But Shannon Sharp has some type of interview deal. He's got a podcast. All right, but maybe YouTube podcast. Okay. I really like Shannon Sharp 
Trump's interviews. Mm. And like, if he is right in that pot, like I'm a 50 year old black man. Yeah, he's, he's. And I talk to 50 year old black dudes. Yeah. So it's like, I've seen him with Steve Harvey, mm-hmm. um, Cedric. Cedric the Entertainer. Yeah. Um, I feel like there was an MC that he was talking to. He's done, he's done more than a few Like different. Snoop. Yeah. And, so, and I can very easily see Magic Johnson in that kind of space. I mean, I, I couldn't. Because if you have seen, because you don't, you don't watch sports. Right. So if you have watched sports, if you could see Magic Johnson on like sports shows, sitting with guys and having to kind of like bust it up with them, uh-huh. Magic Johnson, he, he, he doesn't work. He doesn't work in that space. And the reason why is because Magic Johnson is, as much of as he is a personality, he's also very much a brand and a business. Okay. So he's not going to get but so much. Oh, he's not going to. And he's never going to let you in but yeah. so much. Okay. Like Shannon Sharp. I get you. I see what you're saying. He's cultivated. I like, see what you're saying. Straight shooter. Right, right, right. Magic ain't going to mess up. He ain't, he ain't going to mess that up. I'll tell you my magic story. Got my magic. magic story. I got a magic story. How do you got a magic story? I'm about to tell you how I have a magic story because I'm a patron of the arts and an esthete and I go to shows. And la dee da, la dee da, and I think, you know, it may have been that run of Top Dog Underdog, like the original run. Mm-hmm. Anyway, during intermission, you know those Broadway theaters, and you know they're so small, they're so small, and then the rooms are small, and the bathrooms are small. It the the bathrooms were so small that there was a line for the men's room. That's never a line. exactly. Magic was going, he went to see the show too. Okay. So we are all in line. It is a line to get into the men's room. Magic's in the line. Wow. So we're all in line. Wow. You, would, you just imagine there's a separate thing. Well, that's part of the story. It's always some douchebag that is like, I'm more important than anyone else. So therefore, I shouldn't have to be in line. And this dickhead like walked past everybody to go into the bathroom in front of everybody. And of course, everybody like, whoa, whoa, my man, you got to wait in line. Mm-hmm. Everybody got to wait in line. And he started puffing up. And then magic goes, yeah, everybody has to wait in line. And the dude is like, oh, well, okay. I guess if Magic Johnson is waiting in line, I guess I got to wait in line too. <laughs> so I had that moment of solidarity with Magic. With Magic Johnson. So, and that is my Magic Johnson. That's your Magic Johnson. That's my Magic Johnson. And that is literally the only way that, look, that you would have a Magic look, Johnson look, story. Look, that's my Magic Johnson story. Very good. Very good, Vincent. All right. All right. The number one, number one, bad black career movie. Bad black. And now this one is maybe not a bad. It's it's not it's 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 not a bad black okay. career move, but it definitely opens up like a sliding doors like idea in your head. Sure. And in this actor, as I've actually I even talked about it. Okay. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. 
And the one film role that he regrets not taking, mm. which was Ghostbusters. Yeah. Eddie Murphy, yeah. for those who don't know. Yeah, go ahead. He, coming out of Trading Places, in which he stars with uh, Dan Aykroyd, was actually asked by Aykroyd and Harold Ramis mm-hmm. um, about working on a film and starring in Ghostbusters mm-hmm. in the role of uh, that that went to Ernie Hudson. Yes. Um, but Eddie said, I don't know, that doesn't sound for me. Like it's for me. He more or less said that. He actually said it. He didn't think much of it, of the idea. And then went on to do Beverly Hills Cop. Mm-hmm. That's right. But he has always contended that he wishes that he actually had followed through after he saw the movie. He wishes that he had followed through and done and and done the movie for two reasons. One, because he doesn't take the role mm-hmm. that eventually goes to Ernie Hudson, who no slouch of an actor, Ernie Hudson, but mm-hmm. by far not the name of Eddie Murphy. No. The role. That's right. Pretty much defanged. That's right. For Ernie Hudson. That's right. Because Ernie Hudson auditions on the script that was they thought was going to go to Eddie Murphy. And that character was built up with a true backstory. And it was part of the Ghostbusters from the beginning. That's right. Like he he was very integral to the development. He was he he had a military background. Yeah, which played a part. Well, because what that brought, you know, the other three are scientists. Yes. So he was a military born in the strategy and everything. That's right. But all of that was defanged when they don't have the star of Eddie Murphy Mm -hmm. in there. Um so so Eddie regrets that and he also mentioned that he regretted it because as much as he knew that you know Beverly Hills Cop was going to be a huge huge for him and it was but he thought he thought that it would have been fun to play with those those guys absolutely Bill Murray yeah Dan Aykroyd Hal Ramis um it would and he thought that it as Ready as he was to take on his own thing, he thought it would have give, put him on that much more sure footing. Sure. When he moved into his own thing, as far as being able to play with others mm-hmm. and and really work in part of, part of an ensemble. Because mm-hmm. he worked as a partner with Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. And now he'd be part of a true ensemble and learning underneath Bill, Bill Murray, who he had never worked with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he really regretted that he didn't regret it money wise, he couldn't regret it career wise, but it, just legacy wise, and, and you know, and legacy wise. But but I would I would argue that maybe legacy wise, it might have been might have been different yeah. for him. If he, I would have loved to see him in Ghostbusters. Yeah, I think Eddie Murphy and Ghostbusters, the the legacy is still Ghostbusters. Like I think this builds the hair, and and I think it rightfully. It builds Harold Ramis's legacy, just like it does now. No, it does. But right, I think, like, 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 but I think Eddie Murphy. It, I think Eddie Murphy. It, it, it's and it's hard to see it because when you're thinking of Eddie of uh, Ghostbusters, you're not thinking of that role being built up. But Eddie Murphy in that role, with it being 
as built up as it was supposed to be, I think gives him that much more solid footing that when he does do his other movies. I mean, how much better is Beverly Hills Cop going to be? Okay, but there's Beverly Hills Cop, but then, okay, Beverly Hills Cop, he's good at, yes. right? The Golden Child is, is not that great. I mean, I think he maybe makes smarter choices. I hear you. Like, but Bill Murray made, like everybody that you just named, made terrible movie choices. Wow. After Ghostbusters. Well, well I, I'm. Dylan Aykroyd made terrible movie choices. Dan Aykroyd did. But Bill I don't know. Bill Murray after Ghostbusters. Like, what are the great Bill Murray movies before Wes Anderson rescued him 25 years ago? Um. He's not a couple. He did. He did Caddyshack. Right. A Harold Ram- and is it, that's before that's Ghostbusters. Not, I don't think that's Harold Ramis. But it's before Ghostbusters. Okay. Um, he did. What's the movie where he's the, the look, the clown, Shep, the clown, he's robbing it, people. It's stripes. No one really liked that's That's a cult classic. Okay, I like it though. I like it too. Like, I love Bill Murray movies, but Bill Murray is not someone that when you are a list, Bill Murray also is very selective about his friends. But he selected some real dogs. No, what's the movie where he did with... Uh, you know, Groundhog Day, I think, has become a thing. John Groundhog Day is a great movie. No, Groundhog Day is a great movie, but I don't think it was a hit when it came out. Okay, fair enough. It probably wasn't a huge... Right, it's like Christmas. Th- th- did Scrooge... So you're thinking about, is it Quick Change? Quick Change. Yeah. Quick Change. I think Scrooge is another one that has aged well. Yeah. Like oh, like Bill Murray. He wow, Bill Murray has made a hit. Movie. Okay, but he made good movies though, right? Okay, right. Made, not every movie is going to be a okay, hit, but he okay. made good movies. I'm just saying, and then Aykroyd made Dogs. Eddie Murphy, Eddie, yeah, Bill Murray made right good I, movies. Not all of them made right. Been, like like I think hits. Eddie Murphy not making Ghostbusters because he made Beverly Hills Cop, and then went on to be Eddie Murphy. Uh, this this is not. This is not no, radio. I, oh, no, it's or not that woman. It's not radio, but it's, and like I said, it's more of a sliding. Right, 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 right. I would have just loved. Right, it. I, I would put Cuba Gooding on here twice. <laughs> you throw radio up. Throw radio up there. I'm not going to do that to the man. Right, I wouldn't do that. Or like a film that I adore, but I don't know if this was a good move, or frankly, how many choices it. Like it boggles my mind. Every time I think about the fact that Louis Gossett Jr. won an Academy Award in it made Enemy Mine, where the whole film, he's in prosthetics. See, I haven't seen that movie in so long. Oh, I love Enemy Mine. But I remember liking it. So yeah. I remember fingering it. Yeah, but it's. So you think it's a bad career move because he hides himself? Yes. But sometimes he signed those contracts before. Well, you know, before the Oscars. Yeah. You know, and like, you know. Yeah, well, Enemy Mine led him right in the Iron Eagle. And then he could he couldn't get out of the Iron Eagle. He's right, stuck right. in the Iron Eagle for four movies. That's what I'm saying. All right. All right. Anyway. Well, that's my top five. I like it. Okay. You like everyone said one except number one. Yeah, except number you one. You would have put Cuba Gooding put Cuba. twice. You would have returned to Cuba though. Yeah. Go back to Cuba. Yeah. For number one. Mm-hmm. I, that's that that would have been unfair. I wouldn't do that to him. All right. Take Scrooge, Groundhog Day, Sharon Eldridge. She's right there with me, Bill Murray. Look, great films. Love those films. And they were... And, and, I don't know how much of a hit okay, they, well, they, they were. They were good movies. Oh, they're, they're, the argument was good movies. They're great. Let's continue. Yeah, so... <laughs> I, I think Eddie Murphy would uh, take that uh, that Shrek in that uh, Beverly Hills cop 
two or three check over the Groundhog Day check. No, he would. Okay. Yes. Shrek check, yes. Okay, I'm pretty sure. Beverly Hills Cop 2. Or Not 3. Okay, the money he made off of 3? Uh, uh, uh. What are you oofing as if I don't know. Bill Murray didn't make no real money off of Groundhog Day? I don't know. Let's go. Uh-huh. Let's keep it moving. All right. Let's keep it moving, ladies and gentlemen. Certainly wasn't a bad career move for Vincent to become part of the Michelle mission, because we're now we're going to his third segment. Oh, for God's sake. It is six degrees of Turville Martin. That's the key. Why you would be surprised what a person can do with just a sense of love, touch and a sense of sound. Six degrees of Durville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where I give Vincent, the star of our show, oh, for God's sake, Jim two actors who he will connect in six movies or less to Derville Martin, the other star of the Michelle Mission. A man who made no bad career moves. None whatsoever. All right. And in Snatour. Keeping in um in 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 honoring our film that we are going to be reviewing later, which is Theodore Rex, mm. which stars Whoopi Goldberg. It does. These two actors, Vincent, mm-hmm. are two actors mm-hmm. whose name also sounds like they might be Jewish. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Got you. However, they are not. However, they are not. And we will start with number one. Number one. Zachary Levi. Zachary Levi. Zachary Levi isn't Jewish? No, he's not. Interesting. He's not Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the bad thing about Zachary Levi is that what I really know him from is from Chuck. And his big movie role would, of course, be in the Shazam films, Mm. which he's in with Megan Good. Oh. Yes. In Eve's Bayou with Samuel Jackson, who was in... um, I'm not going to help you. I, oh, I mean, I'm just, look, there's so many ways to get from Samuel Jackson to, to Derville Martin. I'm trying to think of, a, you, you know what? Samuel Jackson was in, um, what else? Well, you know, let's just keep going. You know, he's in, he's in Mo Better Blues, of course, mm-hmm. with Dick Anthony Williams, who is in Bob on the Black Hand Side with Derville Martin. Very good, Vincent. Yes. Very good. All right, you got there. You forgot Megan Good was in Shazam? I did. Mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so, because I forgot all about Shazam. Yeah. yeah. So you forget it as soon as you've seen it. Yeah. You didn't see the second Shazam, did you? No. I didn't see the first Shazam. Oh, you did? Yeah, y'all talk that Shazam stuff. I know why I went on up. Yeah, it was cute. Yeah, that's what y'all told me. <laughs> all right. All right, Vincent. Very good. The second actor. Second actor. Who also has a name that sounds Jewish. Oh, he's at least an actor that people believe. We believe he is Jewish. However, he is not. But he is not. The six movies are less. Six movies are less. Connect Derville Martin. Derville Martin. Two. Two. Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Well, see, the thing about Adam Driver. Mm Mm-hmm. 
is that he is in Star Wars The Force Awakens with Billy D. Williams, who's in the final come down with Derval Hart. I forgot Billy D. Williams was in that. Damn it. <laughs> now you need to think about the fact that you forgot that Lando Calrissian was in Star Wars colon, let's bring all the old actors back. I forgot. I forgot that he, I forgot. I, I, yeah, I guess I forgot about it. Now then, Adam Driver is also in The Force Awakens. Oh, God. With Carrie Fisher, who is in The Blues Brothers mm -hmm. with Dan Aykroyd. Yes. Who is in Trading Places with Eddie Murphy. Mm -hmm. Who is in Boomerang with Leonard Jackson. Yes. Who was in Five on the Black Hand Side with Derek Dervarner. You want to, you want, he is also in The Force Awakens with Harrison Ford, who is in The Fugitive with Tommy Lee Jones, who is in, how do I want to get from Tommy Lee Jones to Durbel Martin? <laughs> Sure. You just got a whole another half of the show to do. Who's, time. who's in Men in Black? <laughs> Two. Two. With Michael Jackson. <laughs> Who is in The Wiz with Diane Ross? <laughs> Who is in Lady Sings the Blues? With Billy D. Williams again, who's in the final come down. Very good, Vincent. Very good. Very good. You, you got there. Three times. Well, if you wanted to. Oh, we're not going to. If you wanted to, we can use, what's the name? Oscar Isaacs. Yes, you could use Oscar Isaacs. Oscar Isaacs as well, if I see him long enough. I can figure out how to use what's her name to the girl. Daisy. Um, Daisy. Ridge, Ridge Luke. Yeah, Daisy Ridley. Yeah. Daisy Ridley. Okay. All right. Um, Sean Simmons, no, this is not our first Michael Jackson connection. Um, <laughs> we've used Men in Black 2 with Michael Jackson mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we go everywhere. Yeah, you're going everywhere on the Michelle mission. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Very good, Vincent. Thank you, sir. Well, you got to start forgetting about the black people in these movies. Forgot. I forgot about them. So you got to do like a Wes Anderson movie. He don't really use a whole lot of black people. <laughs> like I watched a French Dispatch the other night for the first time. Because, you know, I love Wes Anderson. And I saw Jeffrey Wright. I said, oh, shit, it's a black person in a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, because I. Well, Danny Glover, they can have a meeting. They can have a meeting. Black people in Wes Anderson movies. Because the only movie that I can think of, and I think this was Wes Anderson. I just told you all the black people in Wes Anderson movies. I actually just told you. Well, it's not a black person, but a brown a brown person. Okay. Was in the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. Was young boy from um, yeah. Dope. Yeah. Is in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, yeah. This is, wow. There you go. All right. All right. Let's get into our review, ladies and gentlemen, of 
Theodore Rex. We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. The future's toughest cop is Katie Coltrane. I'm back. And now, she's getting a new partner. His name is Teddy. Hit me. He's a dinosaur. You two solved this case together. What? What? It's a dinosaur. New partner, Coltrane? (laughs) He's got the style. I'm here for a new look. Step right up. Push the button. He's a cop. You gotta make him look like a real cop. I'm too sexy for my clothes. That thing at the table just clacked at me. He's got horns for you. It's very normal. He's got the charm. (laughs) Your mind's shut down and your glands have taken over. And he's got the appetite. You cannot eat our only suspect. To come out. Yes. On time. (laughs) Both. I'm amazing. New Line Cinema presents... Are you think you're going to get somebody? <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg. Can you just slide your butt? Yeah, that's great. Like that? And introducing... Ooh, Teddy. Sweets. Ah. One a customer. <laughs> Theodore Rex. It's a tale... You'll never forget. I love when he does that. (laughs) Theodore Rex, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) 1995 buddy cop science fiction comedy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they say. Mm -hmm. Written and directed by Jonathan Batool in his first and only his first and only film <laughs> film retired after this <laughs> starring Whoopi Goldberg the film revolves around an alternate futuristic society where humans and anthropomorphic dinosaurs coexist a tough police detective named Katie Coltrane plays by Whoopi Goldberg is paired with an anthropomorphic Tyrannosaurus Rex named Theodore Rex to find the killer of dinosaurs and other prehistoric animals, leading them to a ruthless billionaire bent on killing off mankind by creating a new ice age. In this film that stars Armin Mueller-Stahl, Juliet Landau, Bud Cord, Stephen McHattie, Richard Roundtree Shaft himself, mm-hmm. and the voices of Carol Kane and George Newbern as the title character Theodore Rex in Vincent's selection for this stop on Mother May I Have, another one of those bad black movies. Vincent, what say you of Theodore Rex? What I say about Theodore Rex is that I wish I had some type of connection to Ryan Murphy. Okay. Who is the creator of of the FX, you know, series like like what is it, Feud? Yeah, where he looks at classic Hollywood feuds, right? And I would pitch a show to him called Cluster F, 
Mm -hmm. where it would be a dramatization, an examination of classic Hollywood cluster Fs that have taken on a life of their own and people are interested in. And Theodore Rex would be the film that I would want to be the center of the first episode. The backstory the of back, Theodore Rex. The backstory of Theodore Rex, okay. which is a film that joins a few of the films that we've talked about. Uh, one in particular I'm thinking about, Norman, is that you? Mm -hmm. The infamous um, Red Fox starring yeah. role. That the story behind the film is infinitely more interesting than the film itself. Right. As you said, this this uh, stars Whoopi Goldberg, mm -hmm. but it was a long road to getting to Whoopi Goldberg. It was. The, the story that everyone has agreed on, that I feel comfortable saying out loud, is that Whoopi Goldberg had an oral agreement to make this film. Yes. Due to some circumstances that are very vague, she changed her mind and wanted to back out. Right. The producer of this film, and that man's name is uh, Richard Abramson. Yes. Sued Whoopi Goldberg for breach of contract. Right. I well, put a pin in that. He, right. Was going to sue her. You know, they settled. She ends up making the film for $7 million. $7 million makes the film. There is drama on the set almost immediately. Like mm -hmm. Abramson is, 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 removes himself because he's a producer. So, you know, he's not the director, but, but basically he's the money man. So, and you know, the money man oftentimes is just around. Right. He doesn't come on the set anymore. There are players, producers, um, people involved, Whoopi Goldberg's business partners, that as the shoot goes on, people can't be on the set at the same time. Right. Because Whoopi Goldberg is not happy nope. about this film at all. There are a number of lawsuits that come out of this film with people saying they didn't get paid the way they were supposed to get paid. Um, this is a film that is technically under our purview by a sliver of what we cover. Yes. They had test screenings of this film that went horribly. Yes. They did not test well. So after the test screenings, this film was not in theaters in the United States. Exactly. That's the caveat. It was released in every other country, except for the United States in Italy. Mm-hmm. And when it was- Released, released, released theatrically. Right. right. Yeah. So that people, it, it has the distinction of being the most expensive direct-to-video direct film ever made. Yes, because it had a budget of 30, $35 million. million. When it opened in other countries- this was the year that Whoopi Goldberg was hosting the Oscar. Mm -hmm. So in a bit of synergy, 
the, the plan or a plan, a generalized plan was that this film would be released in November to coincide with her hosting the Oscars. There have been many theories throughout the years that the release date was changed to Christmas, mm -hmm. which is infamously a time when you, you know, this begins that period where, where studios bury films that they're just trying to burn off. It has been rumored allegedly that Whoopi Goldberg has been behind, was behind burying this film because she not did not want to be in it. Everything I just said is probably the tip of the iceberg. Oh yeah, yeah, of yeah. The actual story of what went on behind this film. Oh yeah, they're, as, they're very interesting details. Yeah, as you've said, Whoopi Goldberg has been very vocal over over uh, the over the years, including as as recently as like two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. She was talking about this on the View <laughs> about how she did not she regretted making this film mm -hmm. and 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 has come this close to saying she was almost well i mean she was actually backed into making this film but it sounds like it was a little sketchy how she got involved with it anyway mm -hmm. like like it like you know she has a business partner that has become that was her ex-business partner and, and this is the reason why he said well, hey, i don't know if it's the reason it's, but he is her ex-business partner before this film is finished filming. And I don't know how much of it is a chicken and an egg situation because what you get on the screen is, 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 is a mess. The, yes. Is a mess. And, and, and I mean mess in almost its literal sense because from the beginning of this film almost to the end it is difficult to understand what is actually going on in this film i know and who is this film for mm -hmm. this is a film as you said that is set in in an undetermined future mm -hmm. where a scientist has sort of Jurassic Park dinosaurs. Yes. And brought them back to life. And yes. this is part of the actual narrative of the film. But the dinosaurs that he that he's brought back, he's brought them back in the form of of almost a knockoff Chuck E. Cheese rubber suit format. Well, we, yes, because he's brought them back. They, they're anthropomorphized. They are right. They can talk. They can, they, they can talk and learn. But they're very jokey and and juvenile. Very well. I mean, and again, it is almost like 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 they're, they're all they're they're all like mascots at an amusement park or like the short lived television show Dinosaurs. Yes. Where there is nothing about them or the world that has been built around them. Where you are supposed to take them seriously. No. So on the one hand, you feel like maybe this is a film that's supposed to be for kids. Mm-hmm. But there's 
uh, 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 there, there's a level of violence in this film. There's a level of murder in this film. I have because it starts off with a murder. It starts off with the murder. I have to say the 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 villain's plot overall is a surprisingly mature plot. Like he wants to murder the entire world, start all over again. He has a god complex. Like it seems like something. It seems like the plot that someone in a more serious film would have. Mm. So just tonally, you can't really understand what's going on and who it's for. Right. It probably goes without saying, Whoopi Goldberg would rather be having a, a root canal than be in this film. Mm-hmm. Whoopi Goldberg, who we are well on record as being fans of. Mm-hmm is so lackluster and so barely present. Like if I didn't know that she was forced to do this, you, you almost want to ask her blink twice (laughs) if you're in danger. (laughs) So that, while it commits the crime of being boring, which is my, you know, my ultimate crime, it's boring. It is such an amazing car wreck that you wonder, A, was there something else there you go. that this turned into? There you go. Or B... Is this just a level of wrongheadedness mm-hmm. that somehow a woman who by by 96, and, and I meant to look this up before I, I came in, certainly by night, what you well, look this up real quick. What year is Ghost? Ghost is before this. Right. She's got to be halfway to an Scott by now. Oh, yeah. I mean, another reason. Because she had won the Tony. Another reason why she doesn't want to do it. And if she'd already won the Oscar, this is a woman who's halfway to being an egot. Yeah, Ghost is 90. How in the world? Ghost is Whoopi Goldberg. Is. Ghost is 90. Sister Act um, 1 and 2 were 92 and 94. Well, I was just trying to figure out, I was trying to get to the Oscar. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. also in 96, she's in Ghost of the Mississippi. So it's like, she. Yeah. Oh, well, again, I'm just like, again. Whoopi is is well on her way to an ega. Mm-hmm. And she's in this, which has two running jokes. A, dinosaur breath and dinosaur fart smell. B, he knocks over things with his tail. Yes. Yes, he is uh uncontrolled tail. So yeah, it's 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 it is terrible. But more than terrible, I found it confusing. It is. It's, it's, well, it's a bad movie. Um, just speaking about Whoopi Goldberg and, and how she kind of gets locked into this movie. Like you said, somewhere along the line, she agrees to do the film. She agrees to do it for $5 million. Maybe she's seeing the writing on the wall. Who knows? But she's like, uh, I think I'm going to change my mind. 
And what? And let me just just to not to but, but it, I think it's important that it was an oral agreement, right? It which, is, which to me sounds like someone who is representing her mm-hmm. agreed to it. Agreed. Like to at it. this point, which is Whoopi, the, the business part, right? Right. Like Whoopi Goldberg isn't in Target and right. does that. Like like an oral agreement with the star of Whoopi Goldberg's stature mm-hmm. sounds like you made an agreement with her manager. Well, okay. The story that I'm that I'm reading here is that it, it was after a series of meetings. So it was a, a few meetings. Mm-hmm. Will be Goldberg, you, to your point, made the verbal agreement with Abramson to do the movie for five million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. She later on a phone call with Abramson, um, he asked her if she was still one hundred percent committed to being in the film and she said yes mm. right uh but it was not so it, shortly after that goldberg stopped answering the producer's call he was trying to you know i guess things were getting in motion he's like yo want to keep her up to date she's not returning any any of the calls um because of that the it was the in the italian investors right behind the movie they're the ones that said, well, then Abramson, you sue her. Because if she's not, not going to return her calls, this, you sue her. Abramson actually didn't want to make that move. At least that's that's the story. He didn't want to make that move. They sued her for $20 million. She countersued, saying that she never agreed to do the film. However, when Abramson answered the call, when um, Whoopi Goldberg had called him earlier and, and over the phone she had committed to the movie. When he had answered the call, she was leaving him a message and he picked up the phone and the phone continued to record their call. So it, re- it recorded her saying that she was still 100% committed to the film. Mm-hmm. And it was with that piece of evidence, the judge basically told, right, you got to do it. You, like, like, if you want to go through this, we can. But if I was you, I would settle. Right. Because you probably going to lose. Right. At which point she says, all right, well, then y'all want to give me $2 million more. And thus, that's why she gets the $7 million to do the movie. So that's why she wrote it to the movie. She hates it. She doesn't She doesn't want to be there. She can see the writing on the wall. She's got this first-time writer who, who I don't know, maybe has tapes on the investors they got him to, or maybe he's the only one that would agree with whatever they want to pay the director. He gets them to agree to let him direct the movie as well, because he believes that oh, he believes his first time writer. If you're gonna write the film, you should be you should direct it. Who else can execute his vision? Of course. So they say, Minjal, oh, uh, go do it. Um, so he he does it. She probably sees the writer on the wall. She hates it. She hates it there. Um, and you're right. Her contempt is all over her face mm-hmm. while she's doing this movie. Now, the story from the other people in the cast is that for the most part, she was cool. She was cool with everybody there. Um, people that could leave because I there's stories of people like leaving the production. It's like, man, I'm tired of this piece. Like this piece of crap. They're not getting paid. And people not getting paid. You know, but she she's got to be there. She's mm-hmm. got to do it. Um, 
And the story you read from the cast is that she's cool, but they understand why she doesn't want to be be in this thing. And she's going to she's going to do it and she's going to do fulfill the contract and get it over and done with. God bless the agents of George Newbern and Carol Kane because they only did the voices. How about that? In this thing. So you don't even really know. And Carol Kane is not like she's a name. Yeah. But she's like like a name name. Right. So people are like, you know, then and George Newbern, you know, nobody's really checking for him. No. Um, so they get over. Mm-hmm. Armin Stoller Mall, who is probably the only other actor of note that I knew know of this movie. Well, and of course Richard Roundtree. Okay. I forgot Richard Roundtree. Yes. Well, Richard, yes, Richard Roundtree. For God bless him. I mean, I, yeah. he's in five minutes of the I movie. Mean, yeah, you know, yeah. and he's in and out. Right, you know, he's and he's not a he got. So it's probably a check that it's a check that yeah. he probably yeah, like, it's not a know. bad check. He got a patio. Yeah, you know what I mean. Armin Stoller Mall. When I saw that he was the second name behind Whoopi Goldberg, mm-hmm. God bless the actor. I know he does good work, but him at that stature. I know. Oh, this is a mess. Yeah, this is a mess. Yeah, because if he's he if he's second build, <laughs> uh, y'all were digging deep. Oh, y'all were digging boy. deep for the for the for the for the rest of the fill out this this cast. Um, yeah, but it it, it and it, it the dinosaur effects are so so much. Jim Henson knockoffs. I'd say, are we going to call them effects? <laughs> well, there's something. Yeah, okay. I mean, because here, here's the bad thing about it, though. Much like there is a segment of society mm-hmm. for whom we destroyed their childhood when we tore apart Ghost Dad. Yeah. There's a segment of society who this Theodore Rex mom boarded home from Blockbuster oh. for the kids? Oh, absolutely. And they absolutely case this up. The segment I'm talking about, where she talked about it on The View a couple of years ago, it was a little movement mm-hmm. because there were fans of the sh- of the movie there with her. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There are people that do like this silly kids almost kids movie especially when like the the tone you're right is all over the place i think the plot is too sophisticated well the plot is too sophisticated yeah. but they tried to dumb it down by having the, the theodore rex pretty much is in jokey mode the whole movie right which they reshot some stuff they the reshot a whole lot and added some stuff added to, like, like punch him up. yeah the, pu- the punch him up but it but it totally devoids the character because the, the movie starts off with him gung-ho to be a detective. Yeah. But then he's seen sometimes bumbling, sometimes knowing what he's right. doing. Like, they don't know what they want him to be. Right. And then what you learn is that there is a version of this script where this was supposed to be kind of like a dark and dirty and kind of like gritty type of film, which whether or not that works or not, I don't know. But it sounds like it could have been kind of interesting. If you squint your eyes, this is a this could have been a version of alienation. It could have been, or you know what it could have been, and this is maybe too too new of a reference. Bright, 
from uh, Netflix, the Will Smith movie. It, it absolutely could. Yeah, it absolutely could. It is. It is. If 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 you lean into the tone, mm-hmm. like like you said, we are we're going to lean into this. We're going to make this dark. We brought these dinosaurs back. Obviously, we can't Jurassic Park it and have dinosaurs running around. Right. We spliced them with human DNA. They're anthropomorphic. They're their own thing. Go. Right. We got the first hybrid dinosaur dude. We're talking about making him detective. Yeah. And they got to travel. Well, it's alienation. It's alienation. But then they can't leave well enough alone. (laughs) Because somewhere, at least to me, Mm -hmm. in the middle or maybe even like last third in the movie, we learned that Whoopi Goldberg is an android. <laughs> now, earlier in the movie, yeah. there's this little kid who wants to hook her up with her father. Which, put a pin in that, as soon as you finish talking, I want to talk about that. And yet, we're led to believe that all along, she was an android. She was an android, because sure, why not? But where did this come from? You know what I loved so much about this movie? You know what the part I loved about this movie so much that I wanted to hug the movie because it reinforces one of my long-held beliefs? Hollywood is so committed to making Whoopi Goldberg asexual, and they don't know what to do with Whoopi Goldberg as a sexual being, that the rubber dinosaur it's a, has a love interest. Ah, yes, but Whoopi Goldberg does not. As the viewer, we feel, based on our test audiences, then you all feel like the rubber dinosaur man should have a love interest. Yes. Whoopi Goldberg with a love interest is a bridge too far. No. So much so that, as you say, they they sort of seed that the little boy's father is going to show up at some point. And I was watching, like, the only thing that actually kept me attentive was I wanted to see who, who was going to be the cameo of his father. Like, I was like, is it, is it, is it going to be Blair Underwood? Like who? Like I was thinking it was going to be Blair Underwood. Like I was really pulling for Blair Underwood to show up for one scene. Hi, I'm Lil Black Boy's father. And then Whoopi Goldberg winks at the camera and then it goes off. How do they not even show the father? Oh, they showed the father. You mean the dude clapping? You to do with the flowers at the end? At, at the end. At the they end never the introduce him as his no, father, though. No, they don't introduce him as the father, but he's standing there with the little no, he, boy, yes. and he winks at uh, Whoopi Goldberg. That's the father. And who that actor is, we don't know, because he has no lines. He has no and lines. He's, he's and, no credit. And I'm a bad viewer because I missed the wink. Yeah, he kind of like winks at her. You. That's a good pull. That's a good pull because there is no on screen anything. Oh, so let's let you know. No. And not for nothing. That dude, God bless that dude. I don't know who he is. I'm sure he's a wonderful human being. 
he ain't Blair Underwood. No. Like, for you to have kept me no. old on for an hour and a half mm. for this dude, yeah. like, like I needed The Rock to show up yeah. in a UPS uniform. Yeah. I, I had to end the, why did I get married, too? Yeah, I'm I'm fairly certain he's a PA that they dress for right. that scene. Yes. Yes. Whoopi Goldberg, don't ever get to hand on me. No, she's an android. She's, she's an, an asexual android. She's an asexual android. Maybe they were trying to get Blair Underwood. He wouldn't sign. He wouldn't sign. They said, well, you know what? Just say she's an android. Just say she's page 20 and we'll be good. And you know Jeff, the guy who brings the sandwiches? Oh. See what's up. Yeah, yeah. What's up? Jeff. Jeff. Come in, Jeff. They put it to you on Jeff and have him stand there. And can you wink, Jeff? Can you <laughs> wink and whistle? I don't know how to whistle. We we'll just wink. Jeff, are you on SAG? No. Come here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this is a, uh, this is uh, this is really really a mess of a movie, man. It's a mess. It's a shame. It's not even. It's not even a shame. It because it's not. It there's a part of it that is a maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity because I don't want. The idea of it, you can maybe make it work if you put it in like kind of like this peewee playhouse type of world. To say you got to commit, though, you got to commit, got to commit. But but then you've also got to be committing to changing your script. Well, and 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 like to your point, pulling that apart if you're going to commit. And I think peewee's playhouse and and whether we're talking about the two peewee. Herman films or the television show mm -hmm. where they have this very distinctive, well-executed, well-realized vision. Mm -hmm. You have to bring somebody in that can do that. And you also got to be committed budgetedly to the world in which you're trying to sell. Well, out. that's part of the vision because you got to give me the budget because there's, there's, you know, I guess that you can't. You can't get Tim Burton on the cheap. Exactly. It's it's while the while the the dinosaur costume or machinations that people are wearing aren't on the level of Jim Henson. It, it's not like they didn't spend some dough on them. So I'm not gonna. So I'm not gonna like like bastard mm. shit on them like that. You a good man. Well, I am. I mean. I thought they were terrible. I, I thought I thought I saw better costumes at Disney World. I thought as designs they were they weren't bad. Um, maybe the execution wasn't as fully formed as you would like. Mm -hmm. But it but it, you know they weren't bad, right? I've seen worse. Um, but then the world in which they inhabit is just so. It's, I guess they spent the budget on that because everything else is just really on right feet. Again, again, and, and just to reference our pre-review conversation, one of the great things about Silo is that you, you can freeze the frame. Mm -hmm. Every single little detail on the screen, you understand how this detail has come about from this world they've told you they inhabit. Right. Right. So if right. you are telling me that dinosaurs have been a part of this world for, you know, 20 years, mm -hmm. I, I think, let's say 20 years, every part of the world has to look like that. Right. Like you got to commit. And, 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 you know, as much as you can critique Whoopi Goldberg's performance of not even phoning it in, 
But like, again, I'm a hostage and got to do this. I think you can say that about the entire production. Yeah. Like no one seen like for for the direct, you know, the writer, oh, it's my vision. Like no one seemed to yeah. really put the level of care into the detail that you would need because it's a high concept. I know. Like you can't do a high concept and then, you know, half-ass it. I see Farrah Blackwell in the chat asking, was this before or after Frank? Uh, who framed Roger Rabbit? This indeed was after. It was after. I can't even believe Roger Rabbit was 1988. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't think it was that far back. I thought it was the 90s. You want to talk about Mr. Opportunity? When you said Eddie Murphy, that's what I thought you were going to talk about because that's the Eddie Murphy project. I've always heard him say he's sorry he passed on. Oh, I didn't see or hear him say. Yeah. He got that before Bob Hoskins. Oh, really? And he said this. He said this sounds ridiculous. What do you mean I'm gonna be on screen with some cartoons? Oh, I didn't. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I've never heard that. Yeah, I've never heard that. Hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't think I would have liked that. But um. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's, it's amazing because you you bring it up. Who, who framed Roger Rabbit is is it's apt because there was the opportunity for that type of storytelling. Sure. You know, because Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a sophisticated, it, more, you know, if you just look at, I mean, if you look at stories, Chinatown, but um, it, but that's a sophisticated story, right. but it still works because it looks for, it's for kids. Look, we, they, they talk about story Bibles for television shows usually, but I think you can have them for genre films as well. Before you Start the script. You got to build the world. So in the case of, like you said, Roger Rabbit. Okay, so it's like Chinatown, but it's with cartoons. All the cartoons live in this town. Before we say what story we're going to tell, we got to say, well, what are the rules of this world? Mm -hmm. How does this world work? Well, how do you go back and forth? What are the, you know, what do, what are, do they have related? Yeah, how high space? Like, you know, what is the police rules and this, that, and the other? Yeah. Okay, what's the story we want to tell? Right. A current example of a film that does it fantastically, which is more similar to this than not, Zootopia. Love Zootopia. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Same thing. I was thinking Same thing. Where you can tell before they said the story, they said, what are the rules? Mm-hmm. And this, you know, it's just not there. But uh, again, I, I am I am always fascinated by this film. So the question is, Vincent. Yes. This decidedly bad black movie. Yes, it is. Is it perfect for the cookout? No. <laughs> no, not at all. Would you recommend people? I, I would not recommend it. Oh, really? I would not recommend it. I do. What I would recommend if if you are someone who likes these behind the scenes stories and these kind of things, like like I think this is a, a fantastic story. Mm. Like I'm so angry that you said the the voicemail part. Like I forgot about the voicemail, <laughs> but but yeah, like it's a great story. The, the behind the, the scenes. behind the scenes yeah. stories and, and kind of like I said, I would love to see someone with some real heft do something with this. Like I would love to see a documentary on this kind of like the, you, you know, you know, the, you know, the apocalypse now documentary, you know, where someone just really talks about it. You know, I just thought about another movie that failed trying to do this same type of thing. 
And now I can't think of the name, name of the movie. Maybe you can pull it. Is it above, above, above the... Above the law? Above the law? No. Not above the law? No. Uh, I, you know you know we're partners. I, I finished Above the Law. You said above. I knew Above, above the, the law. law. So the But it's not Above the Law. What was the movie? I think it's called like The Happy Land Murders or something like that. Yes. About the... I think that's what like it's the, called. The puppets. The puppets. Like yeah. the, or puppets. Yeah. Slash Muppets. Mm-hmm. The world. Yeah. It, yeah. And that that was a movie that just didn't work. And that tried to be an adult movie. Yeah, but that was the whole... At least I guess that... Yeah, but I think the whole... I don't know how much thoughtfulness went to that movie further than... Wouldn't it be funny if puppets cursed and had sex? No, I actually think more more thought went into it. I just don't think it put the executed it. Is that the film that Jim Henson's kid was involved in? In the beginning. Yeah. I don't think he finishes it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. I don't want... I want to think he... Yeah. Off also. But yeah. Uh yeah, I I can't recommend this film. I can't recommend this film. And I know it's become like a a a, a favorite for some kids mm-hmm. or, or grown kids now. Um, but no, I can't I can't no. What I would say, if you are thinking of giving this introducing this to your children, don't and buy the DVD set of the TV show you alluded to, Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs yeah. Which was actually fun. But don't watch the final episode. <laughs> Worst final episode ever. It is bleak. Worst final episode ever. Watch it up to the last episode and then stop. Yeah. Never watch the episode. We don't we don't talk about the last episode yeah. of Dinosaurs. Yeah. But other than that, good show. Yeah. Fun show. Yeah. You don't expect them to address the dinosaurs going extinct. And then they do. And then they do. Uh, how do you feel about, how, how are you about the theory that the Flintstones doesn't take place in the past? It's actually a post-apocalyptic future. It's a post-apocalyptic future that takes place on Earth, Earth, while the Jetsons, Jetsons are up in the, in the air. sky. Yes. Are you a believer? Do you agree with that? How do you feel about that? No, I don't believe You don't believe that? No, I don't believe that. All right. I don't believe you went there. I'm about to end the show. I know. <laughs> I know. But you know, dinosaurs is one of those things where it was, it was sort of ahistorical. Like they have all this stuff and it's supposed to be said in the past, which then made me think of the, the Flintstones theory. Can I end the show now? You kid? All right. Yeah, but dabba do. <laughs> oh, this is been special. Um, <laughs> you know, we just blew some people's minds with that. Because some a lot of people don't know that theory. I know, but now some people are people are like <gasps> the Jetsons. Yes, it's a, it's a theory, right? The Flintstones are 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 prehistoric. Show, but but in in the past, but they have televisions, they have cars, they have toasters, they have vacuum cleaners. Like, how, how do they have all these modern devices if they're set in the prehistoric past? And the answer is, it's not the past; it's a post-apocalyptic future. And this is um trying to do crude imitations of what was going on in the far long, long ago. <laughs> um, do you know the theory about the Rugrats? 
Yes. Then I don't like that theory. <laughs> you don't like that? I don't like dead kid theories. <laughs> All right, go ahead. All right, that's a great way to end it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I ended on dead Yeah, kids. I don't also like the rubber. Um, before we talk about what we're <laughs> next week, here on the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen, I invite you to... Uh, like the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. You can go to michellemission.com where you can hit swag and check out all of the cool designs that we have available for your download and um, buying pleasure because every little shekel from there helps us keep the show free for you. All right. You can also follow the Michelle Mission on the social media of your choice, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Michelle Mission. You can also Subscribe to the Michelle Mission on YouTube. Become a follower and never miss when we go live or when we put up any of our small videos or short uh, video shorts up on our YouTube channel at Michelle Mission. Uh, the Michelle Mission is also has a Facebook group. Check us out there where we have a lot of fun talking with all of our missionary fans. You can email the Michelle Mission at M I C H E A U X. M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 215-867-9666. Leave us a voicemail and tell us because I told him I was going to have a question for him this week, Benson. Yes, you did. You didn't think I was going to remember. I did think you were going to remember. Oh, you did? I did. Oh, I'll believe in you. <laughs> Thank you, Benson. My question for you, ladies and gentlemen, that I, I hope that you will please leave us a voicemail for is we just reviewed Theodore Rex, Whoopi Goldberg's probably our least, the movie that she hates the most, right? We know this, okay? But it's a great kids movie. What is another bad black movie or bad movie in general that you still would show your kids. Hmm. Let us know. Give us a call. 215-867-9666. That's the question. What bad movie would you still show to your kids? I have one, but I'll tell you next week. Ooh. A cliffhanger. I just call it tease. <laughs> All right. Um, and the Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate, thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work, including this one, which comes to you live every Tuesday night from the Video Content Factory, Philadelphia's premier video podcast palace. Go to videocontentfactory.com and book your session today. You will get, you know, man. Everybody else, Terry, you'll get all the other guys at VO Content Factory. But you can't have Dylan. He's ours. All right. All right. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, it is my turn. Yes. And I think I have a good one for you. All right. Because you picked on noted comedian Whoopi Goldberg. I did. For this one. I did. So I chose a black comedian mm -hmm. who was hot in the 80s to 90s mm -hmm. to pick on for my selection. Okay. And that would be? And that would be Sinbad. Sinbad. In the Cherokee Kid. The Cherokee Kid. 
Yes. Black Western, Vince. Yes, it is. No, you like Black Western. I do like Black Western. No, we didn't do Black Westerns this year. We did not. So I'm throwing you a bone there, OG. In the month of May. OG, thank you. Because I love you. Yeah. Have you seen this? I've never seen it. I've never seen it either. I'm actually curious. I'm very curious. Yeah. Because we have to do it. Because we <laughs> should be interesting. It should be interesting, ladies and gentlemen. It should. And stay tuned next week when we announce what um, what people who sign up for our newsletter already know mm -hmm. are very special fifth week yeah. episode of Mother May I. An extra week. Yay. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> it's stupid. All right. Um, until then. Oh, Alan New Mutant is his first time in the chat and watching us live. Hey, Alan, welcome. Welcome to live, man. Welcome. All right. All right. He's Vincent. I'm Len. And in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. The Michelle Mission is produced by Len Webb and Vincent Williams and edited by Len Webb with co-production by Mo Poplar. Music by Alexa Gold and filmed at the Video Content Factory. Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network.